To God be the glory, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning and welcome to our summer sermon series. Uh, it'll be on questions that you submitted, difficulties in the scriptures. And we're calling this Hard Sayings in the Bible. And today we have a hard saying that I've heard for years, and it is, Call no man on earth your father. What in the world does Jesus mean by that? Call no man on earth your father. Well, just as a side note, I hope you love the scriptures. I hope you go to the Bible to answer questions and difficulties in your life and find strength and encouragement in his holy word. Just this past week, I spent some time in a clericus meeting with several other clergy from the area. And I heard the story of Jimmy Gallant, an African-American clergyman in our area, and I didn't know that for about a decade he served as a traveling preacher with John Guest, the great evangelist of the Anglican faith. So they traveled all across the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he told us about a story when they were in Russia. And right before they preached, they were on stage. They had all these boxes stacked up on the stage. They wondered what in the world that was. So he and John looked in the boxes and lo and behold, they were from the American Bible Society, and they had Bibles. And they took a Bible out, and one of the Russians saw the Bible, and they so hungered for God's Word that 10,000 Russians in the audience rushed the stage that night. He said, Our, and we had no idea they were that hungry for God's Word. Jimmy said, we could scarcely hold them back. It was like people who were in a parched desert seeing living water for the first time. Paul tells us that God's word in 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 is literally God-breathed. And so on Father's Day, we get the blessing of having a Father in heaven who has breathed his word out to us for instruction, for um, training in righteousness, for making God's servants complete, and equipping us for every good work. So with that God-breathed word, let's go into this question. It says in, in the prayer book that we should read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the word. So let's do that in the next few moments. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 23 is where we are today. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 12. And the sermon is going to be divided into three different parts. Three different parts. Uh, one will be the false father, we'll look at that, the false argument, I'm sorry, secondly, the false father, and thirdly, the true father. You're going to need your sermon notes if you want to follow along, but look at verse 9 in chapter 23. This is the, the verse we're talking about. Call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Our sexton at St. Helena's, my very first year when I was right out of seminary, came into my office and he was a Seventh-day Adventist, and he had grown up, like many of us did in the Protestant church, with an anti-Roman Catholic bias. He thought anything Catholic was wrong, and certainly calling somebody father was wrong. So he came into my office and said to me, why do you let people call you Father Tripp? It says clearly right there you should call no man on earth your father. Well, the first thing we need to do when we interpret the Bible is to try as best we can not to bring our preconceived notions or prejudices to the Word of God. As well as we can, we want to get into the context of Jesus, his audience, his situation, his cultural setting. Yes, Jesus does say, 
call no one on earth your father. That's true. But think about it. We've all got fathers here on earth. We got godfathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. So we, Jesus must be scratching deeper than that. He must have a truth that goes beyond that, right? He doesn't say, don't call your, your father, father. So here's the deal. Write this down. Whenever you take a verse from the Bible and interpret it in isolation with wooden literalism, sorry, reading into the text our preconceived notions, we call that eisegesis. Eis in Greek means into, and what we're doing is reading our own prejudices and preconceived notions into the text rather than letting God's word speak to us. Why do people call you Father Trip? My sexton was plucking that verse out of its context. No. What we're called to do is something else, and write this in. What good Bible students want to do is exegesis. Exe, the word exit or out of. So we want to come to the scriptures with a broader context. We want to dig into the author, the audience, the language, and compare scripture with other scripture. That's what good Bible students do. So let's do a little bit of that, okay? Look at verse 8. Call no one father. Here it says, call no one teacher or rabbi. Hmm, any teachers out there? Well, when you go to school in the fall, we're not going to be able to call you teacher any longer, okay? Uh, or maybe we call you instructor, okay? Well, look at verse 10. It says, call one, no one instructor, for we only have one instructor. Strike that too. I don't know what we'll call you in the fall. But see, when we exegete the text, we know that Jesus is talking about a deeper truth, a bigger picture than just calling someone father, teacher, or instructor. We want to exegete. So if you were to turn to Matthew 15, verse 4, you'll see that Jesus himself says, honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. Says, um, Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says one of the great spiritual gifts that God gave the church was the spiritual gift of teaching. So certainly Paul's okay with the gift of teaching. He says it right there. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 to his congregation at Corinth, he says, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I, Paul, became your father through the gospel in Jesus? Paul commends uh, Timothy to a guy named Epaphroditus in Philippians 2. And he says this, Epaphroditus, you know that Timothy's proven worth is evident. How he operated as a son to me, his father, and he served me in the gospel. Paul was not Timothy's father, right? But Paul was acting as his spiritual father. So these verses lead us to a conclusion. And the next fill in the blank. The Bible speaks of saved people as entering into a spiritual, write that in, a spiritual family. Okay? Paul is older and wiser than Timothy, and he's operating in the gospel as Timothy's father with love and care. So when we become Christians, we become saved by grace, adopted through the waters of baptism into a larger family. And Christians always kind of speak in relational terms because of that. The next point, the literal interpretation of call no man on earth your father is in the end a false argument, a false argument, especially when we pluck it out of isolation from the other texts. 
Which leads us to point number two. Why did Jesus say this? What did he really mean? Well, I think he was pointing out the fake fathers. Fake fathers. If you'll read in your scripture, a lot of you will have the subtitle in your Bible that, that says, Seven Woes to the Scribes and the Pharisees. That's a key to interpreting this text. Jesus is bringing woe to somebody. He's taking somebody out behind the theological woodshed, and he's going to give them their business. That's, you, there's the text right there. Look at verse 2. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So that's a seat of authority, yes. So when they're preaching from the law of God, from the law of Moses, he says, observe what they tell you. Verse 3. But the works they do, don't do those, in verse 3. And fill in this blank. For they preach, but do not practice. Maybe that's what Jesus is hinting at this morning. You think maybe that's the clue? That their inner hearts weren't always drawn to a personal relationship with the Father? That they cared about right religion and right titles, but not always about a heartfelt right relationship? See, the term Pharisee is this. The term Pharisee is derived from a Greek word meaning set apart or separate. And they interpreted strictly the law of Moses in such a way that they would not come around any unclean people lest they themselves become unclean and unless their facade of religious righteousness fall to the ground. Now because of that, they didn't like Jesus very much sometimes, right? I mean, he was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and just good old rotten scoundrels. And they thought he was defiling himself. They knew that any upstanding religious man wouldn't do that. But you see the difference. Jesus cared about the heart. He didn't care about your past life. He wanted your heart. And he hung out with those people. He was not in it for show, but the Pharisees were. Maybe that's what Jesus is hinting at. One theologian put it, The Pharisees pursued righteousness with God not by faith, but as if it were by works. And if you've ever known somebody who's trying to do good their way back to God, you know that after a while they have to hang on their titles or their religiosity or somehow cover up their sin. Because as Jesus said, no one is good but God alone. Your true self is going to come out at some point. And so this Pharisees set up a facade, a religion that was a show. They loved their titles and they wore them as masks to conceal their true selves. In Matthew 5, Jesus says this about those Pharisees. He says, and when you pray, speaking to his disciples, don't be like those hypocrites over there, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Why? So that they can be seen by men, by others. They love their facade and they hid behind it. Hypocrites, write these words in are mask wearers, and that is what Jesus is addressing today. People who are filled with religious pride and feelings of superiority. We see that in verses 4 to 7 this morning. Look at that. They, meaning the Pharisees, tie up heavy burdens and lay them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves don't even lift a finger. Verse 5, for they do all their deeds to be seen by others. Yet again, you think maybe that's the problem? For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. 
In other words, they, they exaggerate their vestments so that they'll look really holy on a Sunday morning. They love their places of honor at the feasts and in the synagogues. In verse 7, they love their greetings in the marketplaces. And they love to be called rabbi by others. Call no man rabbi that treats God's word like that. So you get the picture. The problem is not that the Pharisees were called father. It was that they were fake fathers who pointed to themselves rather than God, who's the true father. They weren't like Timothy who was, or Paul, who was gentle and tender and spiritually caring for Timothy and therefore gained the right to be called Timothy's spiritual father. It was not like Paul loving his congregation at Corinth in such a way through the gospel that he claimed the title, I became your spiritual father through Christ Jesus in the gospel. What Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Do not call these fake fathers teacher or rabbi or instructor because they point to themselves. Paul pointed to God. So remember, verse 5, they love their deeds. Verse 6, they seek of honor. Verse 7, they hide behind their titles. Here's a modern application. If you have a priest who loves his robes and his titles more than his God, if you have a priest who will not admit that he is the chief of all sinners in the congregation, highly flawed, just like everybody else, if you have a priest who points more to his own glory than the glory of the Father, run, run the other way. Find a new church, one that will point you to the true Father in heaven, who sent his only Son into the world to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Another application, write this down. Don't ever put your clergy on pedestals. They're neither worthy or able to live up to that. We cannot save you. We can only point you to the one who does save. And I can speak, I think, for Father Tyler and Father John. Titles mean nothing to us. Call us Tyler, John, and Tripp, or whatever you want to call us within reason, okay? <laughs> as long as we're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and telling you that at the end of time, every tongue must confess and every knee must bow to him, as long as we're pointing you to the true Father, call us what you want. God gets the glory. So here's the deal. Isn't that the calling of every Christian, to point the world to the true Father? And then he gets the glory. So I would be remiss if I didn't say happy Father's Day to every one of you today. But there is only one good, good father. There is only one true, true father. There is only one father who is worthy of praise and who will never let you down. And he's in heaven. So here's the deal. Next, fill in the blank. Only one father who truly deserves the title because he alone has earned it. There is one ultimate father who heals the broken, redeems the lost, and welcomes his children home. The rest of us fathers here today are imperfect images of our father in heaven, but we are called to point our families to the one in heaven, hallowed be his name. So whatever role you play in life, remember, you're constantly called to point to God. Verse 8, you have one teacher who is Christ. So if you're a teacher of people, point them to the one teacher who is Christ. 
Verse 9, you have one father who is God. So if you're a father, spiritual care over others, point them to the true father in heaven. Verse 10, you have one instructor who is Christ. If you have the ability to instruct others, instruct them towards Christ. And our attitude as we point to God should be this, that we should do it with grace and humility. And that's how Jesus ends the text this morning. Verses 11 and 12, look at that. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the Pharisees had none of that humility and grace. And isn't that what Jesus is addressing today? That they didn't warrant the titles that they so often um, showed the public for themselves. So, in conclusion, earthly fathers are put here by God and given the awesome task of assisting God to draw their family's hearts toward the true Father in heaven and to do so with humility and grace. And guess what? If you are constantly as a father pointing to your Father in heaven and giving him the glory for everything, I don't think he minds sharing the title with you of father as long as you're sharing the ministry of the gospel with others. To God be the glory who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.